0: I think I quickly realized that actually running isn't that good for you. Uh, so if you do do it 12 months of the year, to be honest, you're probably going to get injured, burn out, or just lose the love of it.
1: Welcome to the Spartan Endurance Series on Spartan Up Podcast with host Johnny Wade.
2: Hey Spartans, we have a fantastic episode for you today. Jonathan Elvin, 2014 Spartan World Champion, Trail Racing World Champion, and great coach. And he's going to give all kinds of tips for how to get better, faster, stronger. You're not going to want to miss this one.
1: This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by AmazeFit. From May 18th to May 31st, Spartan Up listeners can head to us.amazfit.com slash pages slash Spartan to save $40 on a bundle that includes the Amazfit T-Rex Pro. That's us.amazfit.com slash pages slash Spartan.
2: Hey, y'all, we're here for another episode of Spartan Up Endurance Podcast. And, uh, quite often I'll say, uh, anyone, uh, who knows Spartan, but doesn't know endurance might not know this guest, but that's not the case in this case. This guy's known in the Spartan world and in the endurance world. We're blessed to have John Elbin joining us originally from the UK, now living in Norway. Uh, John, I'm going to describe you as a professional all round endurance athlete. Is that a fair way to put it?
0: Yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm someone that can't say no to a good challenge and running is my forte. (laughs) So I've kind of gone down that road.
2: Cool. Well, let, let's start with uh, the start of the road. How did you get started in this world, and how did it become your job?
0: Oh, know, it's, yeah, it's been a long time since I've, like, spoken on a podcast or even, like, been at a race, so I, I've, I've forgotten my standard answer. Um, <laughs> I'd say probably I started running when I was 20, and before that I played mm-hmm. skate hockey, so it's like ice hockey but on on wheels on rollerblades. Uh, When I quit, that, I I wanted to to keep fit. So I started running a bit Um, and I really enjoyed training, to be honest. I really enjoyed making myself tired and then I didn't feel lazy because I had to rest. So as long as I made myself tired enough, I I was kind of happy. And that led to me getting fitter and entering into a few races. And I found I really enjoyed them, especially um, obstacle racing and Spartan racing, because it was like this full body fitness that I kind of wanted to try and create. I didn't want to just be a runner or just be like a strength athlete, or I wanted like a bit of everything. Um, so yeah, I got into obstacle racing and quickly found that for some reason I had a bit of a a knack for it and got into other sports alongside, which really fed well into obstacle racing. So I got into orienteering and I got into climbing and I got into, I started doing these different things, which when all combined made me a good obstacle racer. So, um, yeah, I, um, I actually moved to Norway, uh, and that coincided with going to the U S for the Spartan world champs and somehow Mm -hmm. managed to win. Um, (laughs) even though it was my first time like competing internationally and I didn't really know what I was there for or why I was even there. Um but yeah, i'd quit my job i 'd moved to Norway, so then one night on the back of that race, I got a bit of prize money, and then I just didn't get another job. I just thought well i 'm going to try and be a runner from from now on, and i've been doing it ever since
2: fantastic I know i've told you this story, but uh the listeners and watchers won 't know that uh I was working in the u k back in twenty fourteen building Spartan races and uh Uh, Richard Pringle, um, who I know is a good friend of yours, he texted me when I was back in the States just before the World Championships. He said, there's a name you're going to want to remember because a lot of people are going to know it in a couple of weeks. (laughs) And he called the shot. He said, you're going to come and win. And I know that also started a great rivalry uh, between yourself and uh, Ryan Atkins. I know you've gone to be great friends, but boy, you guys have uh, battled head to head many a time.
0: We have. We have. That was the first time I raced, Ryan. And it was fun because we were both kind of underdogs in that race. And it's always really fun to be an underdog. Uh, But I really think that he thought he had it all sewn up. And he was, to be fair to him, the stronger athlete. And he was better prepared. And he actually knew what he was in for standing on the start line, I think. Uh, But somehow I managed to, um, yeah, Come first over the line. Like I, I won't say it's just because of him missing both spheres, but I think that's probably a big <laughs> contributor. Um, but no, it was it was fun. Like uh, Ryan has proved himself many a time on the course, so to to think that I have yeah. a rivalry with him is is pretty cool.
2: Fantastic. So you mentioned about um, uh, really finding your your pace in OCR and 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 sort of carving out that niche as a as a well-rounded athlete. Were you uh, a competitive runner coming into it, or did that grow out of uh, wanting to become better at OCR?
0: I think I um, how to put it. I mean, I, I'm. I've always enjoyed running and I've never really found it as difficult as everyone else seems to find it so I think I had some sort of natural talent when it came to running but obstacle racing was definitely my first sport with running I think I'd entered into a half marathon before my first obstacle race Um, and that went really well but I wouldn't say that I was anywhere near like a competitive runner or anything it was just because my sister did one so I thought I'd Have a go as well so she actually entered (laughs) me in for this one um but no i I actually found running through obstacle racing so
2: what i find really interesting about that is that you've gone on to become known as one of the better runners in obstacle racing and i remember back when it was um, mud runs before spartan sort of carved itself out as the truly competitive race of the of the um, industry um and i remember saying once runners come to this, like real runners who teach themselves how to do obstacles, you're going to see times just plummeting, and you know, and that that has proven to be the case. You know, Ryan's another guy who's a great runner, and um, and uh, but but it's interesting to me that you didn't come in from a running background, and yet you're, you know, you are truly one of the strongest runners in the sport. So, what what where else did you hone that running? So you you, you found OCR did well at that, and then said, hey, I'm I'm going to keep doing this, and I'm going to find other opportunities.
0: Yeah, I think uh, one of the main reasons I really improved with the running is because I wasn't comparing myself as an athlete to other obstacle races. I was comparing myself uh, running-wise to runners and strength-wise to climbers. And I was actually looking at other sports and thinking, well, they're that good at running in that sport, so I'm not that good at running. And that really gives you this hunger to to improve. Um, But yeah, there's been a lot of runners that have tried to come into obstacle racing, and I think there is just a special type of runner or person that really thrives in an obstacle race. And I think for some reason I had that, and it's that kind of grit that you get knocked down and you get straight back up again, you go into an obstacle hard and you, you leave it hard. And a lot of traditional runners that are used to just putting out the same pace mile after mile, they struggle with this kind of stop start and this getting dragged through a bush backwards and getting dumped in some cold water and stuff. (laughs) So I think my, my heart kind of drove me through that. Like I was always known in the hockey world as the person that didn't quit. I'd really just give it everything through to the end. And that's a big component in obstacle racing that people don't really talk about that much, to be honest, because it is very important just to keep going at it. uh, Even though you're getting beat up because these, these courses, they do beat you up.
2: Oh, for sure. And so let, let's talk a bit about that then. How you, I, I I appreciate that you're you're acknowledging that you came in with some natural talent. Like you say, running wasn't a chore for you; it's something you enjoyed, and and you you seem to have an affinity for the the obstacles as well. And you know the climbing has certainly helped with that. Um, but there's still a training component because there's there's being naturally good at something and being top of the middle of the pack, <laughs> or or back of the uh, the leader pack. But to be the front of the leader pack, you have to take that natural ability and then hone it very sharply. So what's been your approach to that? What's been your approach to training to to harness that?
0: Yeah, I think, to be honest, um, my training ethos has really developed and grown as I have grown as an athlete. And I I, like back then, I had no training ethos except for make myself really tired and then keep myself really tired for so long that suddenly I'm not tired anymore and then make myself even more tired. And obviously that kind of works when you have a full-time job because you have to go to work so you have to rest as soon as you become a full-time athlete there's no more forced rest and you just get burnt out and injured and obviously that's one of the first things i did was give myself shin splints so this this happens and then from then i had to sit down and actually think what training works for me and start developing my training ethos so that works for my body but also works for obstacle racing because It's a new sport It's not been around that long and no one really knows exactly how to train for it. even the sport is so random. There's a lot of different ways to train for it. And I had to work out what worked for me. So, um, I think over the years I've definitely developed what has worked for me. And I think I really have started to get somewhere with it. And the pinnacle of that was two years ago now, um, really training for the trail running world championships. And actually managing to train really well towards that one race, put on the GB vest and absolutely hammer that race and come away winning. And for me to yep. be able to train and put all those that year's of experience into that one race and come away with the gold medal really started to concrete in my mind that I was starting to understand that I knew what I was doing. Um, so that helped my confidence a lot because I've never been the most confident of people. And once you start getting more confident, that can also improve and i i I really do feel like after over the last few years i've actually come along on the on the training front rather than just turning up to a race and thinking have i trained to make myself better for this race or am i going to perform well in spite of the training i've been doing which has probably been making me more tired or worse
2: sure a couple things you've touched on there the one is um that in the trail racing world there you know there are a lot of people who do well for many years endurance obviously um lasts longer than than fast twitch um and yet there are some young people that come out and uh you know show great promise and then burn out young you know somebody who wins a race at 19 and isn't still running at 30 so um i think that you've identified the importance of training for longevity so that you have a, a good long career and then the other thing you mentioned, um, I've read up recently on fatigue resistance, that they're learning that that's a huge part of uh, endurance, not just, you know, VO two max and things like that, but the idea of how good are you at continuing once you're fatigued. And uh, it sounds like you, you that was your orig- original method, which is get yourself <laughs> as tired as you can and then go further than anyone else will go that tired. So, so you mentioned that, um, that it's really evolved and now you have like an actual plan in your mind for this. Um and and there's not really an OCR season in terms of you know, six months. you know, we sort of reset each calendar year. there's a world championships at the end of the year, but then they're racing again in January. Um, and And you said that with the running, and that being you know, where your real profession is that it's it's more of a summer sport. Um, how How do you balance that? You know, the idea, you know there there's the micro of a rest day in in a training week. But what about the macro in terms of actually taking some time off?
0: Yeah, I, um, I think I quickly realized that actually running isn't that good for you. Uh, so if you do do it 12 yep. months of the year, to be honest, you're probably going to get injured, burnt out, or just lose the love of it. And if it is your job, yep. it's very easy to lose the love of, of training. And if you really enjoy running and really love it, um, it's like one of the worst things when it turns to be sort of like just one of those things that you have to do every day. Um, so I, yep. I found this was also off the back of having a long-term injury uh, under one of my feet, um, which I actually just managed to fix now because there's been no races during um, COVID. So I finally actually fixed you... my, my foot.
2: <laughs> when you say under your foot, plantar fasciitis?
0: No, it was, um, I actually broke both sesamoid bones about four years ago uh, yep. and just got them fixed with an operation last year. So I've actually been running oh, around, two broken two broken bones in my foot for for four or five years. Uh, so that that yeah. off the back of that, I had to change training a lot. I had to really think how can I build this really big engine but limit how much time I'm doing on my feet. Unfortunately, living sure. in Norway, there's a lot of snow in the winter, and uh, I already love to go snowshoeing and go cross-country skiing. But I discovered ski touring and randonnée and found that was like the most fun, amazing form of training known to man. Like I could do hours and hours of it on end and build the biggest engine you could possibly imagine. And then come spring, start running. Obviously you have to do it very gradually, like really watch out for like the shins and the feet and just like up the the mileage gradually. But then once you do get running again, that engine is insane of what you built over the winter and it's a really fun thing to do as well so you just keep wanting to do more of it so the winter that's turned into the skiing has turned into like a hobby that is really beneficial and then i kind of work um with running during the summer but i am finding now that my foot's fixed i am rediscovering the love for for running too so uh i've got it good 12 months of the year
2: That's fantastic. So, so the idea about finding something a little lower impact where you're not going to lose that cardio and that strength, but you're, you're not going to keep wearing down those, those repetitious joints.
0: Yeah. And I think everyone can take that away and obviously not do it to the scale that I do it. Like you don't have to do 15,000 meter plus weeks uh, in climb, but just find a form of cross training, which you think is fun because that way it's going to work if it's fun, because you're going to do it a lot, a lot more. And then just include it as part of your training, do it a little bit more in the off season, try and build a big engine and then keep doing it in the summer as well, if you can, especially if it's like biking, um, and through phasing this training, you're just going to create like a better training stimulus for your body and you're, you're going to get fitter and stronger rather than just keep banging your head against the wall, which is what running training can be like, to be honest.
2: Sure. And when you're targeting uh, a race like the trail world championships or an OCR world championships, w- what do you do in terms of, um, uh, tapering? Like, is, are, are you, are you somebody who's very specific about two weeks before I'm going to lay off or how do you, how do you approach that?
0: To be honest, uh, most I race so much traditionally in the summer. I don't really get a proper taper for any race. Uh, but for that trail world championships, I did have a base building phase i had a sharpening phase and then i tried to taper down and i have learned a lot that if i just start resting i it's not good like my i'm an athlete i'm used to moving all the time so if you suddenly stop me i feel like a sack of potatoes like i feel crap. so i found it's good to do a week of rest and then a week of a little bit harder training the week before the actual event to add some stiffness back into the the muscles and that seemed to have yep. worked for me, but tapering is a lot. It's just a personal thing. And you're just trying to create a certain feeling in your body, like a feeling of primed hunger where you can push and what sessions it takes to create that feeling could be, be- uh, different from year to year or race to race. It could, is always going to change. Um, but I've just found to take the sessions you did in sharpening and reduce the amount of reps, but keep the intensity the same will just make you leave the session feeling hungry because your body has already got used to doing more and being more tired. So if you stop early, you kind of think, oh, I can handle some more, like, let's go, but that's the best time to stop and then uh, you'll be ready for the race.
2: Okay, that's that's actually that's very uh, applicable to to anyone. I I, I think of uh, terms like active rest, and and your definition of active rest would be very different than than some people's. You know, yeah, your active rest would be their uh, their high end training. But um, but it, but it is all scalable, right? Because uh, you don't have to be training for world championships to have your own goals and 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 ideals. Um, speaking of goals and ideals, what uh, what are you looking forward to coming out of this period of forced rest? That, you know, I know that uh, there's still been some competitions and, and you certainly haven't been sitting on your duff, but, but how have you approached this last year and what are you looking forward to coming out of it?
0: Um, I actually think that I'm someone that's used this time to its best potential. Like it it sounds harsh, but to be honest, I needed this break to fix my foot and I moved to a different area in Norway. And now I've got like much nicer, cooler training areas. Uh, So that included buying a house and um, renovating it and stuff. So I really do think I've used the time well, um, but I do feel that if I don't get some races soon, the good shape I have been building over the last six, seven months is going to kind of go to waste. So I am thinking that I'm kind of getting ready to race again. It's just Norway is moving relatively slowly on the vaccination front. And I'm not sure if it's going to be, Possible or worth it to travel without the vaccine, especially like even one dose, maybe even like waiting for a second dose. So it doesn't look until maybe August that I can get back to a race. So, um, it looks to be a a heavy autumn season though, which is going to be great. Like, um, there's the mountain slash trail running world champs. There's the Spartan world champs. There's the OCR world champs. Um, I was actually looking at the Spartan trail series, um, which I don't think I can, I can do a whole, the whole series now, but at least go to uh, the one in Sweden uh, would be great and maybe like one other. Um, but we'll see, like I've, there's some races there to do. I'm excited to do them. Uh, I think I've got myself in really good shape for where I am. It's not, it's not like top end racing shape yet, but the potential is definitely there. So I am starting to get, get excited.
2: Well, uh, in 2014, you came in as an unknown underdog and surprised everyone. It won't be any surprise to see you on the podium at these races, but it'll be really good to see you back. It's been a long time, and um, you're, uh, you're a very familiar face and a welcome face to all these events. You bring great energy. So uh, I look forward to seeing you this fall, and uh, we're going to come back and chat a bit more, but, uh, but I just want to thank you for this bit and uh, encourage everyone to come back and hear what more you have to say.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's always fun to, fun to chat, and it's going to be great to see everyone at uh, a race, hopefully, hopefully soon.
2: Hey, if you've enjoyed this interview with John, which I know that you have, you'll want to reach out to him at jonathanalbin.com for coaching, for his race blog, and just to see what he's up to, jonathanalbin.com.
1: This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by AmazeFit. From May 18th to May 31st, Spartan Up listeners can head to us.amazfit.com slash pages slash Spartan to save $40 on a bundle that includes the AmazeFit T-Rex Pro. That's us.amazefit.com slash pages slash Spartan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Endurance Series on Spartan Up! Podcast. Spartan Up! is your partner in resilience for mind, body, and spirit. We're here three days every week. Tuesdays, you can find Joe DeSena, founder and CEO of Spartan, interviewing biohackers, business leaders, authors, and athletes thursdays and saturdays catch episodes from our deca endurance trail combat and laruta series do you know someone who needs a little nudge maybe they could use some motivation tactics to be stronger healthier happier more successful tell them about our show and if you're watching on youtube leave us a comment we want to know who's watching and who's listening thanks see you next time